Have you heard the sermon already? Um, God's got a, got a shadow for us to cast. He's got a, a blessing for us to give. Um, I, I have uh, been aware that, that we've been on a trajectory of discipleship. I don't know, know if you have received it that way. Um, but over the last several months, since the end of May, uh, the scriptures have led us through uh, Romans and through a series of gospel texts as well as Old Testament lessons that should ha have us uh, getting a new paint job. You know, God made us with two nostrils, I think, sometimes, so they can constantly be respraying us. He holds us up just like this. So. <laughs> it's not to whitewash us, but it's, it, it is to refurbish us, to restore us, to put us in a place where we're prepared to live and receive, live and receive, live and receive. You don't live if you don't have fuel to function from. And the Lord wants us from his word and from fellowship in the body, for, from the gifts that we have to continue to receive. And that's where we just pour it. I, I, I constantly hear people say, well, I just, I don't, I don't talk like you do. My kids, my, one of my kids would say to me, I, I just don't see miracles the way you do. I get Jesus, he's cool, but I, I, don't, I don't see the loaves and the fishes. I just don't see how that could happen. And then when you stand in that place on the Galilee and you read the scriptures and you, you start to see the outpouring of the grace that had to be received by all of these people being fed and the story whispered through the crowd that it began with just a small offering. And it was God that blessed it and made it huge. It's not just a metaphor. I believe it really happened. I believe that there were leftovers. Um, but I, I just see God um, telling a story that has to captivate us. And that's what we just heard from the gospel lesson, right? The prostitutes and the tax collectors go before you. Ouch. But we have been good Jews. We, we follow the law. We bow when we're supposed to bow. Didn't we say that as Episcopalians and now Anglicans? You know, we do the liturgical thing. We've punched our card. We are good people. But then the scripture just takes it a little further. And says, do you honor God when it doesn't have a reward? Do you do his will when no one's looking? Do you seek to follow him? We've had um, really great sermons by a number of us, and I include myself in that, of course. <laughs> um, but we, we, over the last several weeks, um, Joy started us off with, you know, just this sense of the principles of Christian integrity. And how if we're in a covenant relationship with God, we, we love in a way that um, doesn't compromise. We love with, uh, with a sense that we uh, are the people that we say we are. And people talk about us that way. They say, Joy Unger, she can be trusted. You 
can trust her counsel and her wisdom because they've seen it. It's been tested with fire. They know from watching her live that she produces fruit with her life. In the same way, we could say the same thing. We are called to be out of the old self and into the new self. That, as it says in Romans 12, uh, that, that we are to present our bodies in a sacrificial way. You know, that doesn't mean that you let somebody cut you up and you get up on a table and you drain your blood or anything gruesome like that. It means that you lay down the work and life of the flesh for the life of the spirit. And it sometimes is uncomfortable or awkward. The Lord has often given me words for people and I go, really? Do, do you really want me to deliver that? Because it's, it's, in my position, sometimes filled with correction, direction, and rebuke. Because that's the authority level that I've been given as the rector of this church and as a priest in his church. Following that, Father Andrew gave a sermon um, about the, pre the principles of reconciliation. And he talked about the fact um, that we have obligations that exist beyond our ignorance. We can claim that we didn't know or didn't see, but we sort of function in a world with, with our eyes open and that we owe each other uh, um, a ministry of reconciliation, that we are held accountable to the authority that we carry. And as followers of Christ, as believers in God, and especially, he said, as clergy, we carry an authority that we'll be held accountable for. And that in that passage from Ezekiel that he preached on, he, he said that, you know, our inaction, our inaction is equivalent to murder and the consequences that follow. And it's a warning that Ezekiel had to give. Father John talked to us the next week about the principles of forgiveness. Okay, we've gotten integrity, reconciliation, forgiveness. Um, here we are, and we, we heard the question asked, how many times? Seven, 70 times seven? Seven times 70? Whatever, 77? Uh, it's been interpreted different ways. I'll give you one more. In Genesis chapter 4, we talk about the, the curse of the fall that falls on the sons of Adam. And Cain was killed. I mean, Abel was killed by Cain, and on Cain came a curse of seven generations. Forgiveness as an active part of the body is an active part of being the body of Christ to the world, offering them a reverse of the curse that came from the fall. It was later fallen upon the family that there would be 70 times, seven, 70 generations of curse because of what was done in that family line. And it still exists today. But there's a grace that's coming to even those who have been born under a line, under a generational curse, because that grace supersedes any of it. He's the one that offers forgiveness to us that we might be forgiven a debt that only grace can cover. Following that, I, got, I preached a sermon on uh, principles of righteousness last week. 
And I feel as though the Lord continues to give us a, a, a place where we hear um, that in order to make a life that, that is blessed, we hear in the Christian realm a, a call, a desire to be blessed, a desire to have the outpouring of the Lord's gifting and um, finances and encouragement but really the blessing that comes is God's favor in the midst of being righteous and sometimes that means righteous suffering not always righteousness being money and blessing and joy and peace those things come from doing the will of God. So you can see the pieces falling together. God is saying, church, what's your part? What's your part in this body of Christ that we called together? Are you committed to it? Or are you just sort of a dangling modifier? You know, you're sort of out, out there like a, you know, um, some kind of mutant form of sixth finger. Uh, that, that's not really necessary or not used. Um, because that's the way sometimes we function as a body. And this is a rebuke to me as much as it is to you. Are we doing our part? Are we willing to sacrifice to be fully a part of the body? And what are those gifts? We might not know what they are. Pray that the giver of all good gifts would give you an understanding of what your gifts should be so that you might live in integrity and do your part, that you might follow the principles. You know, you, if you spent any time in one book, it could be just Romans because it has all of um, systematic theology in it. And as it unfolds the first eight chapters of Romans, which covers a majority of the themes of systematic theology, uh, it just unpacks them in pragmatic terms in the later chapters, and that's where we are. So today, as we, as we look to uh, the principles that God wants to, to speak over us, we hear this gospel lesson. And in the gospel lesson, uh, Jesus is, as always, getting the attention uh, of his disciples and those who are following. He says, a man has two sons. And he went to the first son. He said, son, go to work in the vineyard today. I need you. We need extra hands. And he answered, I will not. Ouch. We haven't had any sons or daughters that have been obstinate ever, right? <laughs> or been the son or daughter who has been obstinate. But afterward, he changed his mind. What a blessing it is to have your father need you. And, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, and I, I ought to respect that. And he went to the other son, and he said the same. And the son said, I go, sir. You know, have you ever, remember Highlights Magazine? Hi, Highlights Magazine used to have this uh, cartoon called Goofus and Gallant. And it always made fun of poor Goofus because Goofus was choosing the wrong things. And it was, it was a good illustration. But I think, I think Gallant was just a, 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 um, a, a, a nerdy in your face, I'm the do good deed doer. 
and I always used to resent gallant. <laughs> Here's gallant. I go, sir. I'm the good son, but he doesn't go. Which of these two will the will, did the will of the father, they said. The first, of course. And Jesus shifts gears. He's not talking about tax collectors or prostitutes. But the general listening populace at this point in time are listening because they want to judge his words and judge the righteousness of his words because it applies to whether or not the righteous will receive the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus is telling stories all over the place and bringing power to change lives. And he's saying, you know what? Those you have deemed unrighteous will go first because they get it. They're hungry. They see transformation and they want to see more. They've seen God say, I love you. I chase after you like the prodigal son. I don't care if you ate with pigs. I'm going to hike up my skirt and do what isn't right in culture and run across the field and embrace my son. And I'm going to say, ring, robe, sandals, party. Let's restore this guy to the family. John came to you in the way of the righteous. You did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. What did John preach a baptism of? Repentance, I heard that. Turn around. Do you think they turned around? Do you think prostitutes and tax collectors immediately turned around? Maybe for a moment. Maybe some of them permanently. Some people have the ability to change like that. I was not one of those people. I wasn't. Last night, my high school classmates celebrated 40 years. I so wanted to be there. But there was another part of me that said, I so did not want to be there. Because there was a, a group of them that were spending most of their time trying to be like they were back in the day. And I don't want to be anything like I was when I was 18 years old. Because my feet were so planted in two different worlds that I wasn't recognizable for who I am today. I didn't carry the authority that I carry today. I didn't carry the anointing that I carry today. And I'm glad that I carry this anointing and authority today. Don't want to be that guy again. So the tax collectors and the prostitutes, maybe they changed momentarily, but something got planted in them. That they knew that they were loved and that they could be received because of their repentance. And thus began a journey, just like it began for you and I. Draw us back to the Lord's feet. In the passage um, from Philippians, ask uh, an amazing question you know if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort in participation in the holy spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy paul was saying it gives me life 
It gives me life when you're of the same mind. It gives me life when you're of the same love. It gives me life when I see the body at work. It's so cool to see quiet hands doing diligent work to care for others. I love it. I love it when I see people praying. I love it when I overhear the whisper of, the Lord told me to tell you, if that means something to you, then great. If it means nothing to you, just store it up in your heart. He'll unfold it for you. And if it's still nothing, then let it go away. But I believe that the Lord's given me something to share with you. That's the body at work. Do, not, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Today, God wants to grab a hold of us and say, here are some principles of surrender. Surrender. Many times we are given gifts and we say uh, there, there are gifts in the body that we want to see uh, laid out in, in Romans chapter 12. It sort of lays out, it says, you know, um, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. bother anybody I don't have enough time it's not convenient on Monday night I wish it was Tuesday night I've said those very th same things I'd like to sleep in on Sunday morning and have it be an option let pastor pillow preach to me sing in the undercover choir you know and I know that I can't not just because I'm clergy, but because I count it an honor to be here. I count it an honor to be in this place. And when we're committed to a body, we're committed to a body. It's not, well, you know, I'm going to check out this church, and then I'll go over to this church, and then I'll go over to this church, because it's soup du jour, but you never really get body ministry that way. So it's not as much a rebuke as a, oh, you're missing out. You're missing out from walking those long walks with the body uh, with people that you might not really like too much. But because of a long ministry in the same direction, you find that God's grace is speaking to you in a way that brings power and transformation to your life, not just the lives that you're serving. So as Paul says in Romans 12, Hey, if you've got gifts of prophecy, let them be in proportion to your faith. And if you've got no faith, well, you've got no prophecy. So why don't you start stoking the fires of your faith and put it out there? You know, take, take some time and trust the Lord to, you know, drum up the strength to speak out. And if it's not the Lord, then it's not the Lord. But you're starting to discern. You've got better sense and sight. You've got better smell and 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 sound you can hear oftentimes we've been encouraged to to use the um the body parts as we've been given one mouth and two ears right we should listen more but in the spirit i believe that we should speak more we should be listening you always should be tuned in with spiritual ears but if the lord has nudged you in a particular direction to bring encouragement comfort or strength to somebody that should flow through you like air it should be the context in which you operate 
How do you get there? You get there by surrendering to it, by trusting that God has given you something uh, that is beyond your control, and if you would trust him, you would move in it. So Paul goes on, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Gary is more significant than me. And today, if I was to, to say something to Gary, I would say, Lord, what do you want me to say to bless my brother, Gary? What would bring him strength today? Anybody around him, you could say the same thing or ask the same prayer. You're asking the Lord to give you gifts that you might not have. How many here would say, oh, you have prophetic gifts? Ser sincerely, how many here? Okay, look around the room. There's not a ton of people that would say, count themselves as prophetically gifted. But every one of you can encourage comfort and strengthen a brother or sister in the Lord. Every one of you can think of something good to say to someone that would bless them today. And it doesn't have to be somebody in the body right here. It could be the cashier at the big, the eagle, giant eagle, you know, big bird. Sorry, that's Pittsburgh way of saying that. Sorry for you Pittsburghers that I just uh, maligned your language. Um, have a mind among yourselves, Paul says, which is yours in Christ. Do not. He didn't think that equality with God was something to be grasped, but emptied himself in the form of a servant. Do not conform any longer to this world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind, Paul says in Romans chapter 12. So when Jesus is saying to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Essenes and the whatever other uh, people who deem themselves more religious than Jesus or anyone else, the tax collectors and the prostitutes get it more than you do. It should smart in them. And they should be asking the question, the kingdom of God is something that we have long pursued through the wrong means. How do we surrender to it? Paul says, therefore, God has exalt, highly exalted him and bestowed on him every um, on him the name that is above all names so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of Father. Therefore, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So here's the principle of surrender. In the quietness of your integrity, in the quietness of your righteousness, in the quietness of all these things we've been hearing from the scriptures, uh, applying principles of forgiveness and reconciliation. Let's do that whether anybody's looking or not. Let's be spending our days thinking about what would God have us do so that the body might be such an expression of love and healing and transformation that people would say, go to St. Luke's. There's something happening there. People are getting healed. They're being blessed. Their lives are changing. 
we're about to, to head into what I believe is a recession coming. Nobody's happy about that. Everybody is afraid that the government's going to shut down or whatever might happen. Let's let the body shine in those moments. Let's care for one another when we have extreme needs that we provide for one another. Let's give grace and peace and joy and comfort and strength to each one of us when we're going through times of loss and brokenness. Let's make sure that we're asking the questions. Do you really know the person sitting next to you? Do you know what's going on in their life, in their family? Do you know what they struggle with? Do you know the anxieties that they have? Do you know the spiritual battles that are going on? Have you partnered with them for the sake of the gospel so that they might not live under the weight of those things, but live in the freedom from those things so that they might pursue the heart of God? Imagine if all the backpacks of garbage that the enemy has tried to put on you all the self-doubt, all the pity, all the shame, all the fear, all of those things that you hear repeated, whispered into your ear from parental figures or from authority figures that denigrate you. It's like a backpack that just holds another rock to slow you down and break down those knees that have been replaced. And the Lord just says, let me carry that. Let me take that from you. Let me give you the ability to walk in the freedom that I want you to walk in. We as a body um, are going to grow. I'm, I'm convinced of it. We as a church are going to have a greater sphere of influence. I see it happening already. Um, and I am so excited to see how it, it, uh, it just multiplies. But it can only happen is if you take your part. You can't be a benign appendage that just sort of sits there waiting for somebody to tell it what to do. Body doesn't function that way. The illustration that Paul uses about the body of Christ is you have a particular function, particular gifts. And if you feel the Lord nudging you into a gift that you don't have, it's time to start praying that he gives you the power to function in those gifts. One of the things I, I uh, loved to hear and laugh about when I heard people talking about spiritual gifts was the, the beginning of experts in the church. Have you ever had experts in the church? Oh, I'm the one who discerns tongues. I know what these languages are, and I can tell you exactly what that person says. Now, they might never say it that way out loud, but they're the person that every time there's a, sp a spoken word of tongues and there's a need for an interpretation, they're the first one in line. And we have lots of experts. Oh, I am the one who is the healer because when, people, when I pray for people, people get healed. And so we as a body start to, instead of asking for healing gifts to come on ourselves so that we all can be healers, we say, oh, you should go to Father Scott. He's got the healing hands. He's, he's the one through which that gift flows. And so on and so on and so on because of our gifts. And that's just not the way the Lord operates. The Lord gives out the gifts for the purposes of building up the body so that the body might be ready. Are you available 
St. Luke's, are you available? Let me ask a question again. I'm asking for an answer. St. Luke's, are you available to God? Because if you are, then at daily you're going to be saying, Lord, what gift do you want to give me today? And for what purpose? And you might not know. He might not say anything. And you'll say, okay, show me when it gets here. So that you can go out and apply it when it needs to be applied. Jeremiah was the one prophet that was told, no one will ever stand with you. You will stand alone. You will stand alone out in a desert of people who should have known better. They will be decimated from the Babylonians. They will be taken and shipped all over the earth. And you will stand alone because you have been faithful. And I will bless you. And it is out of your words and out of adherence to my word that the people of God will be restored and rebuilt. To stand in Israel today, as we, Kristen and I did just recently, uh, was such a blessing. But even more so, to hear a modern Jewish believer in Jesus Christ say, God is doing today what he promised then. She's seeing the nation of Israel rise as if they were dry bones in a desert, being having flesh put on it, and yes, there are a lot of flesh in the body of Christ, isn't there? But without the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit to come and direct and gift and send that flesh, we're just a lot of flesh and bones. Life, but not fruit. Let's pray that we will ask the Lord what our part is, and that we'll do it because the Father has called us to live it out. Amen? Amen? Father, we come to you today asking for your gifting, for, uh, for us not to be the second son who step up and say we'll do it but not do it. Um, help us to be more like the first son. Well, maybe we would like to be the, first, the second son's answer and the first son's response. How about that? Help us to let our yes be yes and our no be no so that we might live into your gifting and do our part in the body so that together we might bring grace and power and transformation into the lives of this region. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.